really quick before we get started, if you're a return listener, can you please leave a rating? If you're on Spotify or iTunes, you can leave star ratings and subscribe. It makes a huge difference to the growth of the, of the podcast and it, it means that we can impact more construction companies to allow them to make more profit and stay in business over long term. And that's all we want to do. So please uh, leave a rating and subscribe. And now let's get on with the show. On this episode of The Takeoff, we're joined by Kian Brennan. Kian is an award-winning construction entrepreneur, the managing director of Quantum Contract Solutions, and a highly experienced quantity surveyor and contract expert. Kian is also a podcast host and has built a really unique business within the world of contracts, claims, and quantity surveying that services a variety of construction companies throughout Australia, New Zealand, and the US. One of the really exciting things about Kane is his presentation. He is super engaging. He explains things simply. In a world that's overstimulated and constantly in conflict, this simplicity is a superpower. We're really excited to have Kane on the show, and we hope you enjoy this episode of The Takeoff. Welcome back, guys. This is another episode of The Takeoff. Today, we have a very special uh, interview guest with us. Uh, very exciting to be back doing interviews. Today, we're actually speaking to Kane Brennan. Kane is the Managing Director of Quantum Contract Solutions. It really is sort of interesting um, engagement with Kane over the last few weeks. Has a heavy um, background within quantity surveying and claims management, has his own contract expertise um, company. And yeah, we're really excited to, to welcome Kane to the episode today. Ken, welcome. Thanks, Mick. Lovely, lovely to be here. Lovely to, to jump on. I know you're in New Zealand at the moment, traveling around on a bank holiday, so good on you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for, for joining me, Ken. Well, I, I always sort of, um, I always feel like I, I don't do the, the guest justice with my introduction. So do, do you mind sort of introducing yourself to, to our listeners out there and, and who you are and what is that, that you do, Ken? Yeah, sure. So well, my name is Kian Rellen. I'm the, the CEO of a company called Quantum Contract Solutions. So very, very high level. What Quantum does is we are a smart contracts management, contracts administration solution for construction companies. So we're essentially a done-for-you service, and we will like take your whenever you're bidding for work and you're asked to submit your departures for your, your contracts to negotiate what terms you'll sign up to. Uh, we'll do all of that for you from, you know, the, the, the you send us over the contracts, we'll turn it around in, in 48 hours and, and prepare everything that you need prepared. And then in post-award, uh, we'll do all the paperwork for EOTs, variations, change orders, whatever they're called. And then we also provide dispute strategy, dispute avoidance strategy. So it's kind of like having a contracts administrator doing all your paperwork, a very skilled contracts manager negotiating your contracts, and then a claims expert and dispute expert to help you avoid claims. That's kind of the service from, from cradle to grave. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So so can you tell me a little bit more about sort of the industries that, that you, you work in, Ken, and, and your business works in? So we're we're pretty much across all of construction. The only construction that we don't do is residential. And that is just a it's just a, a size thing and yeah. the, the nature of some of those contracts as well. So we would do residential, like you know, obviously like if it was a commercial building where it was a block of apartments, of course we would, but if it or or a large um housing estate, but individual houses is probably the only area that we we don't work in in the construction sector. Okay, interesting, interesting. 
interesting. So can, can you tell us a little bit more about you, Kane, and, and you know, your, your background and how, how you got into the industry? I came out of college as a, as a quantity surveyor, came straight basically when I was in, in a university, uh, a company from uh, Perth in Western Australia came to university in Ireland and says we're looking for, for quantity surveyors. So applied for that job and four of us went over in 2008 and in 2008 it was um uh, we, we took a, a brief a brief trip beforehand so we spent uh, a little bit of time yeah. traveling but when we arrived we basically got straight into where the rest of the world was crashing there was a mining and oil and gas boom going on in western australia so i got massive exposure to all of that for a couple of years so we're in the, working in the pilbara and from there, I was working for working for and ended up becoming a director in a cost and claims and contract management company and went to the Middle East with them and was working with in uh, Saudi, was working in Qatar, was working in in Iraq as well. Okay. And um, I remember one of the things that was happening to me it, within there was at the time I was doing, I felt like I was doing a really good job working mm. for these these companies and um i kept pushing the boundaries within my company to try and get promoted it took me a long time to realize what was happening so i was like, i'm doing a great job why can't i get more into the business development side and start winning my own projects within that company and then i realized because i was doing a good job for that company being seconded to these different companies i was a cash cow for them and so there was no yeah. benefit for me to move out of there yeah. um, until I was like, okay, so the, the, the way to make money in these uh, consulting firms is to bring in work. So that's what I tried to do. I tried to bring in work. And I remember one time where something clicked with me where I was sitting in a management meeting and the company that I was working for, their big, their big strategy was getting people into a company and then landing and expanding. And I remember chatting to someone like to one of them saying, okay, well, what's our benefit? Like, uh, like how, how can I try and sell this better? And he's like, it's our people. Our people are great. And I remember thinking to myself, our people are great, but don't we just win the project and then recruit after? So it's yeah. not like, and then, so I was like, oh no, this isn't working. And then at that moment in time, that was when a switch for me was like, okay, I really want to, I really want to do things differently. I want to have a different business model that's going to help construction companies. And so mm. the the way when when I started Quantum, I wanted to help the construction contractors, subcontractors with the contracts administrating process, because so many of them are losing money hand over fist. But I wanted to do it in a, in such a way where I wasn't charging day rates, where I was charging a monthly retainer fee. So they could get a lot of value and we're both, you know, we're both on the same page. So, you know, mm -hmm. I want to do things as efficiently as possible. I'm not incentivized to take longer because I get paid more I want, because you pay me the same amount every month. And then they get access to all of these different uh, people and systems and processes that we bring in for a much better price. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because I, I always wondered about that sort of traditional model of the consultancy. Like, what is the difference between that model and nearly like what a what a recruitment company would do in some respects? Like, a recruitment firm it can can be labour hire, but you also can have you know senior level executive. You know, where you might be sort of putting in interim and contractors. And so I always sort of wondered, you know, what was the difference between me finding a really you know experienced contract manager and you know seconding him into a, a large infrastructure project. And you know, what is the difference there? Obviously there are a lot, but 
by and large, the foundations are still very similar in, in many ways, I, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because I remember trying to build a business and then the competitor was a contractor or a recruitment company that was going to get someone in there. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to two things. If you are going to go one of these large organizations, you it, it kind of needs to be a situation where you're bringing them in to bring their systems and processes and their people in. Hey, so we'll get back to the pod in two seconds. And so if you're getting some value from this or you're enjoying it and you think there's other people in the construction industry that would also, please just use your thumb, share it with them on WhatsApp or whatever uh, way that you share these type of things, Facebook, whatever it happens to be. Uh, it makes a huge difference to the podcast. It allows us to grow and impact more people. And we would really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Mm -hmm. But if you're, and then, then it makes sense because they're, they're bringing all the best procedures and stuff to for you to operate your project so if you're going to go hey i want you to do project controls or contract management for this project full stop yeah and um, then it can be useful however if you're just getting one person in or another person in to just fill in seats well then yeah i agree it's there's no you're better off just going to a recruiter who will actually recruit much better people because that's their job is to you know yep. find really good people where the consultancies is not their job to recruit they have an in-house recruitment function but it's not their job to be able to so they're not going to they're never going to be as good that's my opinion on yeah on that as well so you're you're, you're pretty much bang on there mick yeah 100 so obviously you've sort of discussed some some of the differences between you know a traditional sort of consultancy and 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 your your own company can i mean is there other differences? Do you focus purely on construction? I know that you've got a very sort of long track record within mining, resources, infrastructure, or is it purely focused on that that construction sector? I, it is. It was. It's construction in all of those areas, right? So it's construction okay. in mining. It's construction in oil and gas. But it's anything that we're actually building something, right? Yeah. And really, it's anything that has a difficult contract. Anything where you're looking at a contract that has fifty, hundred, two hundred pages. That's kind of where we come into our, our element, essentially. In construction, there's there's a big stat that's out there at the moment. And so one is the last quarter in Australia, New, I'm not sure about New Zealand, sorry, but in Australia, the and also in 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 the US, and I know these for, for facts because that's where that's where we work, is the last quarter had the highest amount of insolvencies since 2008. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so 26% of all insolvencies come from the construction industry. And the reason is, if you think about it, at the top of the food chain, you've got the owner, the principal, the, the guy who wants to build the thing, right? So, the, you know, oil and gas company wants to build an oil and gas plant. A developer wants to build, a, um, whatever, a hotel. Government wants to build a bridge, okay? So they will then award a contract to a tier one contractor, Right. So the tier one contract wins the whole project. They have a contract between them. They both have lawyers, they both have contracts people. They're both okay with the contracts that they've signed. Now, the problem is that the tier one company, they make money by essentially getting a loan to fund the project mm -hmm. and subcontracting out all of the work and then getting paid by the owner. And the delta between the two is how they make money. Yeah. So they're very concerned with risk and they're very concerned with cost, of course. So they push all of the risk down onto the tier twos. And the tier twos are the companies actually doing the work, the scaffolding companies, the civil companies, the um, steel fabrication companies. They're the guys who do the work. But these companies, more often than not, are some some are big organizations, like you know, they, they can be up to 100 million, 150 million um in, in size. But the majority are not big enough to 
be able to deal with the increased risk that's been pushed on. They don't know how to negotiate the contracts. They don't know how to administer the contracts. And it's essentially, you know, in the worst case, they'll just sign what they're given and they'll, they'll go into the, the post-award phase, just, just going, hey, I'm just going to do a great job. And hopefully the contractual stuff falls where it may, and they end, it ends up going badly, end up losing a lot of money or going out of business. So that's kind of you know the main problem that we're we're dealing with at the moment. That's why there's so many insolvencies in the construction industry. That's a crazy stat. Twenty six percent of all insolvencies come come from construction. It's pretty pretty scary. You know, if you looked at that as a whole of how many construction companies there are and how many go insolvent, you know, it must be pretty high. Yeah. Obviously, the risk gets pushed down. You know, the lower down the spectrum that you are. You know, what 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 would you say? You know makes a good contract and what makes a bad contract i know that might be quite a broad question as such but what are the things people should be looking out for so a lot of people look at these contracts like um with legal eye right so mm-hmm. i'm looking at it you don't have to be a lawyer to be able to interpret a contract right so if you're the ceo or managing director of these companies you need to be looking and you need to understand the contract not from a lawyer's point of view right? Changing words and how it's written, but how this clause impacts the commercial outcome of the post-award phase, right? Mm-hmm. How does this thing impact my cash flow? How does this thing in, it, it impact my risk? So really, we're looking at a couple of different things. We're looking at how can we increase cash flow? How can we decrease risk of something bad happening and, and the extent of something bad happening? How can we reduce the chance of disputes or if a dispute happens that the next step isn't arbitration, which is 100K before you even you know, leave your, your bed, essentially. If you have a, a claim uh, that you're disputing for like 80, 90K, well, then it's useless, right? So it's getting all of those ducks in order so that you know that when this contract happens or when we go through this contract, I'm going to set myself up for success. So there's plenty of things like payment terms, right? So it just there's a lot of trick. It's it's it is about the nuances, but once you understand them, you can obviously do a lot of this stuff yourself if you've got the time. So for example, payment terms. So you know, a lot of times you've been asked to sign longer payment terms that you want. So people would just look at the number. How many days are they asking? Is it 30, like so? We want to get it down to 30 calendar days, 20 business days, something like that. But the thing is, if you read that actual clause. It will say, it will say, for example, end of month, 20 business days, end of month. You think normally, okay, that, that seems okay. But it says that you have to submit your payment application on the 24th of month one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 24th of month one, you submit your payment application. On the 2nd of month two, they respond saying, hey, that's approved. Please submit your invoice against that, against our payment certificate. So you do that on the 3rd or the 4th of month two. Then you got to wait until the end of the month. And then you add on 30 days. So really, it's a 60-day payment terms. Mm. So it's those little things make a huge difference to your cash flow. That's that particular instance will double the length of your of how long you're not being paid for, right? Or if you yeah. if you negotiate it, it halves the length in your in and gives you better cash flow. Yeah. So what 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 would you say is general like normal payment terms? Would that be quite a like a, an indicative of, of of what would be quite quite normal in the industry? Yeah, 30, 30 calendar, 20 businesses would be normal. Now, as you go down the contractual chain, it should get smaller. Yeah. It should, it should get smaller because the companies are getting smaller. And so if a sub, if a large subcontractor has suppliers, it might be even shorter. Okay. Mm. 
but that, that's another art, um, thing that you need to be aware of as well is like how how quickly are you paying do you have to pay people yeah and that's another where people get themselves in trouble they're not going to get paid for 60 days and they got to pay guys within 10 or something um yeah. so that kind of issue is is a big issue I don't know if you've seen the uh, video going around last week of the uh, treaty. I think he was in Adelaide or somewhere like that. He was on top of the roof and he was um, he was pulling roofing ties off off the roof because he hadn't been paid. So he'd done he'd done the work a year ago and the builder still hadn't paid him. So he decided to take matter into his own hands. Well, he climbed on top of the roof of the house and just started ripping ripping his ripping um, roofing ties off because that, that was his work. But it went it went viral and and the support he got was you know was incredible because it happens far too much where the little guy gets gets screwed over. Yeah, for sure. And just on that particular thing, so there there'll be a clause in a contract called risk and title transfer. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not in your favor, he could in that scenario and probably happened, he transferred the title over when he completed the work rather than when he got paid for it. 